You're listening to the Farbringen with Rabbi Levi Avzan on 101.9 High FM. Hello, this is 101.9 High FM. Rabbi Levi Avzan, sorry for the slight delay in starting the show. This is the Farbringen show every Tuesday from 1 to 2 in the afternoon. Thank you for joining us. It's an interesting day for South Africa. DJ, what do you think is going to happen? Don't know, huh? The courage to sit and wait with the confidence that everything will be okay. Um, yeah, it's a very funny time. But please, God, it all works out for the best. And whatever supposed to happen should be for the good. So I want to read you an article. Every year, towards the beginning of the year, I try to find an article that's counterintuitive. On a similar theme. It's a theme that we tackled about three weeks ago. But I saw this article, and if you don't mind, I'm going to read from this article. What do you say? Let, okay, let's see if I know how to read. The right and the left agree and concur on one thing. The world is getting worse. Whether the decline is visible in inequality, racism and pollution, or in terrorism, crime and moral decay, both sides see profound failing in modernity and a deepening crisis in the West. They look back to various golden ages when America was great, blue-collar workers thrived in unionized jobs, and people found meaning in religion, family, community, and nature. So basically, like many of us, most of us think that once upon a time the world was better, and we live in the craziest time in history. So this is an article written in the Wall Street Journal, so it's an American article, but I honestly think that it's very similar to what we could say that's going on in South Africa. So consider the U.S. just three decades ago. Our annual homicide rate was 8.5 per 100,000. 11% of us below the poverty line. And we spewed 20 millions of sulfur dioxide and 34.5 million tons of particulate matter into the atmosphere. Fast forward to the most recent numbers. The homicide rate is 5.3. 3% of us fall below the poverty line. And we emit 4 million tons of sulfur dioxide and 20.6 million tons of particulates despite generating more wealth and driving more miles. In other words, as I'm going to show in a few, reading a few more various things, we are all guilty of one thing, and that is not being honest with how good it is in our world today. When we think historically, we love nostalgia. Just think about it. When you think back 10 years ago, oh, I was then in my 30s, I was in my 20s. Such a lovely time. Really? Was it so lovely? You just don't remember. Now you're living in the stresses of this Tuesday, the 13th of February, and therefore you think, that stress was invented in the past 24 hours, and the, and the only time that you've been through difficulty is now. Eish, politics was so much simpler 10 years ago, really, huh? When Zuma took out Mebeki. That was, that was fantastic, right? Everyone thinks that the past was so glamorous. Globally, the 30-year scorecard also favors the present. In 19... 19- 
1988, 23 wars raged, killing people at a rate of 3.4 per 100,000. Today, it's 12 wars, killing 1.2 per 100,000. You didn't know that, right? You didn't. You thought that compared to 1988, the, the 2018 was much worse. Sorry. 1988, there were 23 wars, killing 3.4 per 100,000. Today, it's 12 wars, killing 1.2 per 100,000. Now, obviously, every death is tragic. But please be honest. The 80s were not as glamorous as you think they were. The number of nuclear weapons has fallen from 60,780 to 10,325 in 30 years. In, 90, in 1988, the world had just 45 democracies embracing 2 billion people. Today, it has 103 democracies embracing 4.1 billion. Think about that. Just 30 years. That year saw 46 oil spills. 2016, just five. 37% of the population lived in extreme poverty, barely able to feed themselves globally, compared with 9.6 today. True, 2016 was a bad year for terrorism in Western Europe with 238 deaths, but 1988 was even worse. It had 440 deaths. You didn't know that. Right? <laughs> well, Europe at the time was amazing, but now it's falling apart. I'll be honest, even myself, until I look at these numbers, I, I don't believe it. And maybe even when I look at the numbers, I don't believe it. We're so conditioned to feel miserable that we don't realize how incredible our time is. And I'm saying this before I know whether Zuma is going to be resign or step down or be recalled, how things are going to play out. I don't know. I, I'm not a prophet. But I know that everything will be fine. And that the best case scenario that's good for the country will play out. And that God will bless us and everything will be fine. And to be able to embrace the fact that we're living in incredible times. Start with the most precious resource, life. Throughout most of human history, continuing into the 19th century, a newborn was expected to live around 30 years. In the two centuries since, life expectancy across the world has risen to 71, and in the developed world, to 81. Few hundred years ago, a third of the children born in the richest parts of the world died before their third birthday. Today, that fate falls below 6% of the children in the poorest parts. In those countries, infectious disease are in steady decline and many will soon follow smallpox into extinction. The world is about a hundred times wealthier today than it was two centuries ago. And the prosperity is becoming more evenly distributed across countries and people. Within the lifetime of most people alive today, the rate of extreme poverty could approach zero. 
catastrophic famine never far away in the past has vanished from all but the most remote and war-ravaged regions, and undernourishment is in steady decline. You didn't know that, right? You thought that a hundred years ago everybody was living and eating three-course meals for breakfast. I'm going to continue reading this because I think there's nothing like the facts. I could sit there and giving a whole pep talk on this show. What Life is amazing. Life is great. Or I could just read you from the Wall Street Journal. Here on 101.9 Chai FM. You're listening to the Farbringen with Rabbi Levi Avzan on 101.9 Chai FM. 101.9 Chai FM. And today I'm being lazy. And instead of coming up with my own thoughts, I'm just reading from an article I saw. Um, it was posted all over the web, um, but not spread out and made loud enough simply because we like spreading bad news. When you follow most people's Facebook feeds, they're just forwarding how corrupt the world is becoming and how crazy this is happening. But good news doesn't get spread as much. And this article in the Wall Street Journal, um, although I've always believed that the world is becoming a better place, seeing it in numbers has inspired me. And I, th- th- I have various passions in life, but most probably one of my biggest passions is to appreciate how amazing we live, to appreciate the world we are. We're told that thousands of years ago, God wanted to make King Chizkiah, Ezekiah, the Messiah, the Redeemer of the Jewish people. And the only reason he didn't was because the angel said that when Chizkiah was sick and he had been healed... He didn't thank God enough. He wasn't as grateful as he should be to God for his recovery. And for that reason, he wasn't the Redeemer. In other words, the redemption was held up for thousands of years because one person wasn't grateful. We have to be very cautious about being ungrateful in our time. And the past few weeks, we've been talking about courage, the courage to do various different things. This week, I want to talk about the courage of being grateful. Being grateful for the world that we are in and the courage for seeing reality. And if you don't mind, I'm going to continue reading this article because it's mind-blowing. And I see DJ, he's like, his eyes are getting bigger every time I read something. The world is giving peace a chance. During most of history of nations and empires, war was the natural state of affairs and peace was a mere interlude between wars. Today, war between countries is pretty much gone, and war within countries is absent from five-sixths of the world. The proportion of people killed annually in wars is about a quarter of what it was in the mid-1980s. Did you know that? A sixth of what it was in the early 1970s, and a sixteenth of what it was in the early 1950s. So, listen listen up, all Mr. Mr. and Mrs. Nostalgia. In the 1950s, the per capita, that means in percentage-wise, 16 times more people were killed in wars. 1970s, six times. 1980s, four times. And yet, oh my gosh, the world is having so many wars. In most time and places, homicides kill far more people than wars, but homicide rates have been falling as well, and not just in the U.S., People in the rest of the world are now ten-tenths as likely to be murdered as they were two dozen years ago. In other words, it went down by a third. 
deaths from terrorism, terrifying as they may be, amount to rounding error. The numbers are, are minuscule. Life has been getting safer in every other way. Over the past century, Americans have become 96% less likely to be killed in an auto accident, 88% less likely to be mowed down on a sidewalk, 99% less likely to die in a plane crash, 59% less likely to fall to their deaths, 92% less likely to die by fire, 90% less likely to drown, 92% less likely to be asphyxiated, and 95% less likely to be killed on the job. Life in other rich countries is even safer, and life in poorer countries will get safer as they grow in wealth. Crazy numbers, huh? Despite backsliding in countries like Russia, Turkey, and Venezuela, the long-term trend in governance is towards democracy and human rights. Two centuries ago, a handful of countries embracing 1% of the world's population were democratic. 1% of people... 200 years ago, lived in a democracy. Today, more than half of the world's countries, embracing 55% of its people, are living in democracies, including in this country. 30 years ago, this was not a democracy. Now it is. Not long ago, half the world's countries had laws that discriminated against racial minorities. Today, more countries have policies that favor their minorities than policies that discriminate against them. At the turn of the 20th century, women could vote in just one country. Today, they can vote in every country where men can vote, save one, and that's Vatican City. Etc., etc., etc. Violence against women, children, and minorities is in long-term decline, as, as is the exploitation of children for their labor. DJ, getting bored? No, this is fascinating. As people are getting healthier, richer, safer, and freer, they are also becoming more knowledgeable and smarter. Two centuries ago, 12% of the world could read and write. Today, 85% can. Literacy and education will soon be universal for girls as well as for boys. The schooling, together with health and wealth, is literally making us smarter by 30 IQ points, or two standard deviations above our ancestors. You have, a th- you have 30 more IQ points than your ancestors, mainly because of the education. Now, another thing people say is we're busier than ever. We- we're so busy. So again, this is America, but I don't think it's that different over here. People are putting their longer, healthier, safer, freer, richer, and wiser lives to good use. Think about that. Americans work 22 few hours a week than they did in the late 19th century. 22 hours less, and lose 43 hours less to housework. In other words, 200 years ago, we spent 43 hours more a week doing housework. They have more opportunities to use their leisure to travel, spend time with children, connect with loved ones, and sample the world's cuisine, knowledge, and culture. Thanks to these gifts, people in the majority of countries have become happier. Most studies have shown that people feel pretty happy. And despite the panic about kids today, heard in every era, younger generations are less unhappy, lonely, drug addicted, and suicidal than their baby boomer parents. Now, that 
again, this is all fact. But people will sit there saying, eh, the drug addiction is getting worse than ever. People are more lonely than ever. Sorry, somebody who was born in the 50s was more lo- uh, had a bigger chance of being unhappy, lonely, drug addicted, and suicidal than today. But nobody talks like this. And that's frustrating. I think that if time machines were were available, you know what a time machine is, you go back in time, right? I would recommend that instead of using time machines to go visit ancient civilizations and see the majesty, just bring somebody from that time back to our time. Bring somebody who lived in the 13th century to our time, and they would think that they're living in paradise. They would see people older than they've ever seen anybody before. They'll see people healthier than they've ever seen a person before. They'll see toilets. They'll see water coming in sinks. Hopefully in Cape Town soon. Um, they, they'd seen life. And yes, not everybody's living the most comfortable life, including in this country. But compared to ancient times... Compared to extreme poverty that existed in the world up to 20, 30 years ago, we're living in paradise. If my great-grandparents would come to the world that I'm living today, remember, just give you an example of what my great-grandparents lived through. They were not allowed to practice religion because in communist Russia, religion was outlawed. And literally, some of my great-uncles were killed for being religious Jews by the KGB which was the Russian secret service. There was a famine in the Ukraine in the 1930s that killed 6 million people, which was orchestrated by the government. So my great-grandfather was starving, unable to practice his religion in public due to fear that he might be killed for it. Nothing to eat lived a sh- in, a, in a shack, had no freedom to go wherever he wanted to go. Absolute poverty and pain. If my great-grandfather would walk into the world I'm living today, here I am, sitting in a beautiful democracy, and if you want, don't believe that democracy is at work, look at what's happening today. Democracy is at work. This is not a totalitarian regime. This is democracy. It might have its issues. Here I am being able to sit in a radio station, talk about Judaism. Till 50, 60 years ago, pretty much nowhere in the world, even if radio did exist, would a Jew ever be allowed to talk about Judaism without being afraid of what the consequences will be. I'm able to be proud of who I am. I'm able to talk about current events and share my perspective without being afraid. It's an incredible thing. You're able to go right now onto Twitter and vent whatever you want and come up with the, the, the craziest Zexit um, comment you have, make fun of the president, and nobody's going to kill you. And you're still fetching? Go try that in North Korea. Mm-hmm. Go, go, go have an opinion about Kim Jong-un. Go spit at his picture. Go make a funny face of him while living in, in, in North Korea. See how that plays out. 
Go say your mind in China. And China, although far from a democracy, is definitely not as bad as North Korea or other totalitarian regimes. Do we appreciate the incredible times we live in? DJ, I want you to go home tonight and talk to your friends and tell them, friends, life is good. Let me read a bit more. As societies become wealthier and better educated, they raise their sights to the entire planet. Since the dawn of the environmental movement in the 1970s, the world has emitted fewer pollutants, cleared fewer forests, spilled less oil, set aside more um, places to be preserved, extinguished fewer species, saved the ozone layer, and may have peaked in its consumption of oil, farmland, timberland, cars, and even coal. So you think it's getting worse, but we're actually respecting the planet more than we ever have. But it doesn't sound good. It doesn't sound good. It's not convincing. So I encourage you. Sit back, breathe in, and count your blessings. If you were given a chance to live in any time of history, you would have chosen now. And as we get closer to the Messianic era, as we get closer to the redemption, which I believe is closer than it's ever been, you just have to look at the world and see all the stuff that we mentioned in the past 20 minutes of how we're moving towards a better world to see that we are naturally progressing into an incredible messianic age. As we get closer, the the world is progressing in tremendous leaps and bounds. The fact that most of us live in democracies now, the fact that most of us are not dying from starvation. My grandparents nearly died from, not not great-great-grandparents, my mother's parents and my father's parents nearly died from starvation thousands of times in the 30s and 40s when they lived in the Eastern Europe. My great-uncle, some of my great-uncles and aunts died from starvation. My, my father's mother had twin siblings, younger than her, in their teens, who both died from starvation. Her father died from starvation. Her mother died from starvation. And their grandchild can sit at a Friday night meal for a three-course meal, while they, all they wanted was a piece of bread. Can we not be grateful? Can we not jump up and down with tremendous excitement? We're about to enter the month of joy. Tomorrow night is the month of Adar. And in this month, we're told to be joyous. And many people will say, How are we going to be joyous, man? Life's tough. Ah, man, you know what I mean? In the 1980s, there was reason to be joy. Oh, the great years. Really? What 1980s? What was great about it? What was great about it in South Africa? What was great about it anywhere? As I just showed you, all the statistics about the 1980s. But today, there's nothing to be happy. Finances are tight. Really? When was finances better for you? 
I'm not, obviously, individuals have ups and downs, but as a society, yes, food went a little more expensive. But compared to your grandparents who could barely afford a car, you're driving a car. Even the poorest people in our society is getting, are getting bread. What an awesome time to be alive. So if you're struggling to be joyous, go Google, is the world becoming a better place or worse? And don't choose any article that says it's worse because it's false. And read the statistics. And you know what? Just compare your life to two generations ago. You are guaranteed living a better quality of life than the king of England must have lived 200, 300 years ago. Tell you why. They didn't have toilets. They didn't have a car. Imagine if you were the queen of England and you wanted to go travel. Even if you had the best wagon on the planet, you were sitting and bumping up and down slowly. Well, how many kilometers an hour can you go? You can never go overseas. If you went overseas, you went on a boat that took you months. Today, you could go on a plane. Unbelievable. Unreal. And last week, the Falcon Heavy took off, right? And the, 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 the whole world was talking about it, this huge rocket. With Elon Musk, by the way, South African... With his car, his roadster inside of it, and now his roadster is going around space and will be going around the sun, in his words, for the next billion years. And please God, in a short time, he plans on sending people up to Mars. Can you believe that? There's right now a car flying around space. And you think that the 1500s were better than now. Are you kidding me? On 101.9, Chai FM. You're listening to the Farbringen with Rabbi Levi Avzad on 101.9, Chai FM. Okay. So, isn't it good to be pessimistic, many activists ask? To raise the muck, afflict the comfortable, speak truth to power? The answer is no. It's good to be accurate. We must be aware of suffering and injustice where they occur, but we must also be aware of how they can be reduced. Indiscriminate pessimism can lead to fatalism, to wondering why we should throw time and money at a hopeless cause. And it can lead to radicalism, to calls to smash the machine, drain the swamp, or empower a charismatic tyrant. Is progress inevitable? Of course not. Solutions create new problems, which must be solved in their turn. We could always be blindsided by nasty surprises, such as the two world wars, the 1960s crime boom, and the AIDS and opioid epidemics. And the greatest global challenges remain unsolved. This does not mean that they are unsolvable, whether it is global warming, etc. Since the closing of... World War II, nuclear weapons have not been used in almost 73 years of saber-rattling, including standoffs with the half-mad despots Stalin and Mao from China. And the New Start 
treaty between the U.S. and Russia capping nuclear arsenals went into full effect just this week. How should we think about future progress? We must not sit back and wait for problems to solve themselves, nor pace the street with a sandwich board proclaiming that the end of the world is nigh. The advances of the past are no guarantee that progress will continue. They are a reminder of what we have to lose. This is all written, and you can read them more. Mr. Pinker is Johnson Professor of Psychology at Harvard University. He wrote a new book called Enlightenment Now, The Case for Reason, Science, Humanism, and Progress. Humanism and Progress. So, what do I take out of all this? Quetching, feeling sorry for ourselves actually makes us negative. Let me ask you a question. If you're feeling bad, sad for yourself, do you wake up in the morning? No, you stay in bed. If you feel optimistic, you go out and make the world a better place. Sitting and screaming how bad everything is might sound like a great way to win an election, but it's a terrible way to destroy people's confidence. And I hate when politicians, including in this country, live of people's fears. They just grow people's fears. Hey, these people are taking everything away from us. This is happening. That's happening. Make people feel like victims. Make believe that the, as if there was a past that was so beautiful and that the past was destroyed. Where was the past beautiful? What was the past beautiful? When was America great to make it great again? Obviously, it had its, its moments of greatness, and it still does. But this idea of make South Africa great again, from when? We have to stop living an imaginary past and work towards a beautiful future while appreciating the tremendous steps that we've taken till now. Yes, the Zuma years in South Africa have been a strange group of years. But unlike what many people said, democracy is still here. We're still in a democracy. And notice that's not gone in the direction that Zimbabwe went. And by the way, even Zimbabwe, look where it's going now. And most African countries are moving in better directions than they were 50 years ago, 100 years ago. Prosperity is growing across the continent. Art, self-expression democracy let's stop being so negative let's glow and appreciate our blessings Purim the holiday that's about to start in three weeks time two, two weeks time actually from tomorrow night is the perfect story that I want to finish off my show with why is it the perfect story because once upon a time you know the story Come on, you've been a high FM. You should know the story. I mean, every rabbi's coming here and saying the story. So listen, DJ, there was once upon a time about two and a half thousand years ago, the Jewish people lived at that time in a place called Babylonia, Persia, Iraq, Iran area. And that was after the destruction of the first temple in Jerusalem, before the building of the second temple in Jerusalem. And they were living in exile, and suddenly came a king by the name of Ahasuerus, who wasn't a big fan of the Jews. Not that that's unusual in history, but... He had an unusual vice minister, vice prime minister, by the name of Haman, Haman, who decided 
to convince the king to make a decree to kill all the Jews. It so happened that before that decree happened, the king killed his wife because she didn't listen to him. He was looking for a new wife. It's a whole story you read. You can read the, the story of Esther. He looks for a new wife and happens to marry a Jewish girl. He didn't know she was Jewish. So it so happens to be that this girl, her name was Esther, her cousin was the leader of the Jewish people, a guy by the name of Mordechai. So happens to be that one time Mordechai heard two of the king's guards plan to kill the king. And he warned Esther, and Esther warned the king, and the king was saved. So the king felt indebted to Mordechai. So when Haman makes a decree to kill the Jews, one day the king is having a bad night sleeping. This story is unbelievable, and no matter how many times I've heard it, it's still unbelievable. The king has a bad, hard time sleeping, so he asks somebody to read him from the Book of Memories, the Chronicles. And this guy starts reading that once upon a time, Mordechai saved the king, because it happened a few years before. And the king thinks to himself, I never said thank you. Just that moment, Haman walks in, and he wants to convince the king to not only kill the Jews, he wants to hang Mordechai. But before he gets a chance to tell the king that he wants to hang Mordechai, the king says, what shall be done to the man who the king wishes to honor? Haman thinks it's him. So he says, dress him in the royal robes of the king, put on the crown, on the royal horse, and march him through the streets, and say, thus shall be done to the man who the king wants to honor. And the king says, great, Haman, you're going to do it for Mordechai. And Haman's like, uh... I was just about to ask you to kill him. So Haman has no choice. So Haman walks the streets. He's the guy that wants to kill the Jews, schlepping, pulling a Jew on a, on a horse. Meanwhile, everyone's dumping garbage on Haman's head out of shame. So happens that the queen, who's Jewish, invites Haman and, and the king to a party that very same day. Haman comes to the party all smelly because he'd just been dumped and he's feeling low with himself. Just happens to be that the queen decides at that time to tell the king, by the way, I'm Jewish and Haman wants to kill me and the king has a total fit and he hangs Haman on the gallows that he planned to kill Mordechai on. And eventually the king allowed the, the Jewish people to defend themselves, and the next year they defended themselves from all the people that wanted to kill them, and ever since then we celebrate the, fun, the most fun day on the Jewish calendar, Purim. Now, was that story miraculous? You might say, just ha- a bunch of happens to be, happens to be she was the queen, and happens to be Mordechai overheard, and happens to be an Amdavid. And what's amazing about the Purim story is, you can either see it as the most incredible miracle, or you can see it as na- nature. It's, it wasn't like God splitting the sea at Passover. That was an open miracle. This was a much more hidden miracle. That's why when you read the story of Perm, you don't see God's name in the story. Because God decides to hide himself through nature. We can convince ourselves that God's not doesn't exist, right? When was the last time a sea split? When was the last time God came down in the mountain? Or you can take the lesson of Purim the happiest day on the calendar, to realize God is everywhere. Look at this country. How many times do people give up on this country? I remember when the Rand was 14, remember? A while ago, before it climbed to 18. And one of my close relatives said, buy the, buy the dollars now. 
because it's going to hit 20. Where are we now? We're under 12. So first of all, that's a lesson in stop predicting the future. But it's also a powerful lesson in believe in the future. Believe in God. Believe that the best case scenario will play out. So I want to wish us all a good day. This should be a good day for South Africa. It should be a good day for the world. It should be a good day in your life. May we smile a bit more. And as we enter the month of joy, let's change the direction of our frown. You see? When you frown, it's south. Mm. When you smile, it's north. Just move that those lips from down to up. And walk around with a smile on your face, because life's good. My name is Rabbi Levi Aftson, Associate Rabbi Linksfield Chill here on Soul to Soul 101.9 Chai FM. Signing off. Thank you, DJ. Thank you, Chai FM. And please come next week here on Favrengen Show every Tuesday from 1 to 2 here on Chai FM.